Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 45 of Lave Radio, the show that shines a spotlight on the universe of Elite and the crazy community that play in that universe. I'm your host, second technician, Fozzer Forrester, and joining us on the show this episode, we have Head of Station Archives, Mr. Colin Ford. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Colin. We also have the Head of Lave Security, Lisa Vu. Good evening, Commanders. And finally, what seems uh, like an age since he's been here last... Uh, I'm happy to welcome back to the show the big man himself, head of Lave Station and top Lavian historian, Mr. Alan Stroud. Hi, Foz. How's things? Yeah, good. Welcome back, mate. Thank you. Happy New Year, one and all. It's rather interesting outside the station right now. Uh, we are just starting to get a couple of people. I think, um, are you on your way out? No, this is, this is amateur hour for me. Um, I, I parked up. Uh, in Lave, at least I thought I did. It turns out when I boot up the game, I'm actually in Zeance, so I'm just booting uh, across to Lave as quickly as I can. So, apologies for the late arrival. But I suppose we should say welcome to uh, welcome to all those commanders who are currently hovering outside Lave Station, and those that are joining us on the Lave Teamspeak channel, uh, which is laveradio.teamspeak3.com. Um, on tonight's show, we have an update to the development news and also some insights as to what's coming in Update 1.1 and 1.2. Uh, the discussion topic for this episode is, have we been sold a Christmas turkey? Uh, basically, how does the game compare to what we thought was going to be released based on all the information we had beforehand? Uh, we've got Community Corner and we've got Listener Questions. So without any further ado, let's find out what these fine folks have been up to in and out of the game universe, starting with... Oh, Mr. Mr. Ford, we'll start with you this week. Oh, right. Well... In the game universe, I have been uh, discovering the, the depths of the Alliance. And I'm at the moment out of bounds station uh, in the system of Hera, trying desperately to get a permit to get to the Alliance capital. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's very, very quiet out here. There's hardly <laughs> anybody. So how far away are you from Lave Station, just to give me some idea about whereabouts that is in the galaxy? 146 light years. I see, that's not so far. No, I thought you were going to say that you were sort of like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of light years away. No, no, I'm not one of these explorer types who, have, who are trying desperately to get to the center of the galaxy. Uh, I'm just want to, I'm, I'm wanting to try and visit all three capitals before deciding to go on my deep space exploration myself. Oh, okay, have you got any particular sort of um, leanings towards which faction you're planning on uh, planting your flag with? Well, at the moment, um, I'm quite happy with the Alliance. Um, they, they seem to be, as, as has been pointed out, the, the closest you get to white hats in the entire universe. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to dig around and see what there is, because it does seem to me that the Empire and the Federation are just as bad as, as each other. And Thankfully, Santa brought me this wonderful 24-inch monitor that I'm able to play this on, which is, it makes such a difference. Man, so what ship are you flying around in and how much cash have you currently got? Well, I've got, I've got a little fleet of three ships now. Uh, I've got the Freegal. Um, I managed to get up to a, um, a Type 6 and then ground that for a little while. And then I used the money from that 
to upgrade my my standard Cobra to to what can only be rated as a C-rated Cobra. Everything's C-rated. <laughs> An A-rated Cobra is, is, I think I worked it out, there's something like 14, 15 million credits you need. Okay, Lisa, what have you been up to in and out of the game? Um, so, in the game, not an awful much, unfortunately. Um, I'm still pootling around in my free goal trying to make some money, trying to figure out whether I want to save up for an ASP or not because they're so expensive. I keep hearing they're really, really expensive to run. Yeah. And, and I really want to do exploration. And so it's probably not worth me getting an ASP and just trying to kit out something else. So I'm trying to figure out which of the which of the larger Lacons um, is going to be more suited to, to that sort of role. Um, with you know, but a smaller running cost. So if anybody's got any suggestions, they'd be greatly appreciated at this point because I've tied myself up in circles um, with the, uh, the ship builder tool that's been going around. I don't know. Have you guys seen that? Mm-hmm. Tell us more. Um, t- uh, I haven't got a link in front of me now, um, but there's a, a really amazing ship building tool that somebody has um, somebody's put up on the internet. And it's it's great. So you can like sort of spec out your your dream ship um, with whatever modules you want, sort of thing, and it gives you a, an approximate cost, um, which has been quite handy in in the process. But I'm still super confused about it. So, <laughs> um, and then out of game, I oh yes, thank you, Colin. It's uh, called Elite Shipyard. Um, it's really good. Uh, it's very helpful. So whoever's made that is a is a genius right now. I think they're great. So um, <laughs> yeah. But outside of the game, I have mostly been um, writing as usual. So you know. <laughs> great stuff. Well, your mission for uh, this episode is before the end of the episode, you need to do a bit more research and find out who it is that makes the uh, Elite Dangerous Shipping Tool, and oh, we'll, uh, we'll give them a shout out at the end of the show because. Uh, I know when I was playing Eve Online, there was a, a tool called the EFT, which is the just the elite, uh, the Eve fitting tool, and it was invaluable for that game because obviously there were so many modules and so many different variations. Uh, so the fact that we've got one for Elite Dangerous, I think, is uh, is great stuff, especially considering at the moment, uh, I think it's fair to say that the the, the outfitting options on uh, in the game itself are a little bit a little bit messy, should we say? Could possibly do with a little bit more polish on those. So that just leaves us with the uh, with Mr. Stroud. Where have you been? What have you been doing? I had a really, really, really busy uh, uh, winter break. To be honest, we had all sorts going on here. We've managed to clear a couple of projects away, which has uh, has been useful. Um, uh, writing a, a degree is quite hard work when you're doing most of it on your own. Um, so most of that's done. A couple of other work projects. Um, I've I've spent more time in Elite than. I possibly um, wanted to, if that makes any sense. In that, uh, I, I've really enjoyed spending time in Elite, and um, you know, I've kind of come out of it going, "Oh, I should have got that done. Oh, I should have got that done." No, no, I'll just go and <laughs> just go and trade a little bit more. Um, so, I have an A-rated Cobra on everything. And how much and, has it cost you? Any idea? Can you go into a status and see what your rebuild cost uh, is? Yeah, yeah, I can. You know, I mean, obviously, I've got my. Um, uh, my super super dis- discount being a uh, uh, super super um, uh, you know founder member backer uh, alpha backer or whatever. Yeah. So current rebuild cost is is two hundred and five thousand um, credits. So okay, so that's your insurance cost. So you need to get yeah. into the shipyard and see how much you would actually sell that for. Well, obviously, all your different modules and stuff will have an have an effect yeah. on that. 
yeah, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm outside as as everyone was supposed to be, and you were late, you know, doing. So, um, <laughs> look, I'm I'm here now. So get your ass back in the station <laughs> so, and find out so, yeah. how much your so COVID anyway, costs. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, you know, just to to run it down, I've got you know a thrusters, a shield generator, um, the beams and the uh, and the missile rack are a bit low, but then again, we don't have many options on that yet. So um, that's as things are. A rated power distributor, uh, C rated life support because I don't care much about my own life. Frame shifts drives A rated, fuel scoops A rated, sensors I don't care about, kill warrant <laughs> scanner I don't care about, cargo scanner I don't care about, power plants A rated, and that's that's about it. What are you mainly using it for? Are you using it for sort of bounty hunting, trading? I to start with I was I was doing long rares runs and um then I bought a type six and I thought, okay, I'll do long rares runs. And then I got killed by a player. Oh and I thought yeah. And yes, Commander Mandrake, it was you. Um, and I thought, no, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of not going to do long rares runs in a Lacon. <laughs> so I started doing short trades in a Lacon, and that was fine. And you know, you can earn hundred grand um, quite easily on a, on a, you know, a there and back, as it were, if you've got a decent run. So, so I did that, and um, and then I thought because I'd left the Cobra down in Shinrata. And so I thought, oh, it's a real shame because I'd like to. I'm seeing lots of people and I'm fleeing from player interdiction. So what I'd like to be able to do is, because Labe's, Labe's a really, really nasty spot for player pirates at the moment. So I thought, well, what I'd really like to do is be able to have my, my Cobra here. So if I get interdicted by somebody in my Lacon, I can get into the station, swap ships, and then go out and see who it is. And of course, so I, I, I bought a cheap Sidewinder and went down to Shinrata, brought my, brought my Cobra back. And the minute I got back in the Cobra, I didn't get back in the Lacon. <laughs> so I'm currently sat in the Cobra. And, um, you know, I've, I've got one or two things I'm thinking about. I mean, I could go with, because um, I took all the scanners off it, because I did have it equipped for, for scanning systems. And I took those all off because basically my long-range rares run was, was kind of all sorted. So I'd scanned all those systems. So I didn't need to scan them again. And uh, and added cargo capacity, but to be honest, you know, I'd, I'd consider going back on the scanners, and and just going off long distance because you know it's great. And having an A-rated frame shift drive, you know, you're on 18 light years, 17, 18 light years worth of um, uh, worth of range, which is fantastic. Um, so yeah, so that was good. Um, so I thought about that, or checking a shield um, uh, bank in there, you know, shield recharger in there, and um, an interdictor, uh, and then just getting rid of all these pirates around Lake, <laughs> uh, which is kind of what I set out to do two years ago when when I sort of thought about playing the game originally. Yeah, that was what I was going to do: get a Cobra, really rack it up, and just sit around killing pirates. Just be a one-man uh, police force. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So, um, you know, Although, it's, it, didn't we hear last week that you and uh, you and Jarvis actually did a little bit of uh, sort of role playing and, and teamed up when? Looking for human pirates. Yeah, we did. We went after Battleship Kickass, who had gone after a few other players, um, and uh, Chris. Chris managed to catch him, to which he completely caned Chris. Um, <laughs> I, I had no idea. I had no idea how to um, lock on to the same instance and lock onto the wake, you know, and get into the same instance with them. So I couldn't help him out. So I went back to dock, and uh, um, and this was at Deso. So I went back to dock and picked up an interdictor, came back out, found him again, uh, and then went after him. 
and I had no idea how to use the interdictor. <laughs> I didn't know how to get that you had to get around behind people. And um, so we just spent a huge amount of time at minimum uh, frame ship, you know, minimum super cruise, um, trading insults via text, <laughs> trading in-game insults of things like "It's lonely here in space." I, I'm so tempted by your cargo. You know, the old worlds will not stand for your your crimes, blah blah blah, and all the rest of that. And we, you know, we did that for about half an hour, and then he, he cleared off. So, um, you know, uh, since then I, you know, I, I learned how to use the interdictor, which was good. Um, and since then I've been accosted by Kate Russell. I just seem to be, you know, getting chased down by Kate Russell all the time, which is uh, is is proper weird. I was going to say now that Kate's back in Stroud and she's done all of her long trips, she uh, she is out there causing mischief and mayhem everywhere she goes. Well, Commander Angel Rose is, yeah, which would be who Kate's playing. But um, Kate Russell, the NPC, um, yeah, has has accosted me in a federal dropship. Oh, so it's the uh, NPC that keeps yeah, on yeah, yeah, after yeah, you. yeah, yeah. I get interdicted by by Kate Russell, the NPC. She's accosted me in a federal dropship and fired missiles at me, um, <laughs> which I I burned her up. And then um, uh, a week or so later, I was I was trading somewhere and um, uh, somebody interdicted me. I dropped out and. Who was it? But Kate Russell in a Sidewinder. And um, what was really weird is the the text that came up. You know, you get your text that the NPC says, you know, just let me scan you or your cargo's mine or whatever it was. Whatever it was that um, that the you know Kate Russell said, it was the kind of comment that made you think, you know me. <laughs> you know, it was that kind of hello again or something. Yeah, guess who it is or something like that. And you're like. Really? <laughs> so yeah. I wonder if they've put a little bit of AI just in for Kate to get her own back against us for the dump run. I'm, you know, I, I don't know, but uh, we did. We had a chat about it um, last Monday. Not this Monday, just gone the Monday before, because she came in and did a, a class with my students, and uh, and so I said to her, "Yeah, your NPC's been after me," and uh, so she's she's waiting to see if uh, if she finds my NPC, which of course is me. Um, which one player has, has found in the game so far, but uh, obviously he's, he's a little bit more secretive and, uh, and clever, doesn't, doesn't interdict people quite so much. Actually, whilst we're talking about Kate, I don't know if it's worth mentioning that um, this weekend she's taking part in the gaming marathon for special effects and she's going to be playing Elite. People should maybe check that out and go and donate some money as well because it's for a good cause. That's just an excuse for her, you know. Um, you know, and, and it is a fantastic cause, and I completely agree. People should support it. But you know, let's face it: she she just wants to play elite, and anything that um, that gives her an opportunity. Well, yes. I think it's, you know, obviously, is something she's she's delighted by. Well, from my point of view, I am currently sat outside Low Station in an Eagle, uh, which is one that I bought especially for the occasion. I've left my main ship down in the uh, the Founders World, and that is a Type 7 at the moment, and currently the Type 7 is my favourite ship of all the ones that I've flown so far. I think it's just absolutely amazing. For anybody that has a bit of space trucker in them, the, the Type 7 is just an absolutely gorgeous vehicle to fly around in. And for those of you that have had a DK-2, just the, the sheer scale of the thing when you're looking around your cockpit is absolutely amazing. It really is quite jaw-dropping. So I've got that. Uh, I was in an ASP for a while. I was doing a rares run quite successfully, a 13-stop rares run in an ASP. The only problem I had with the ASP was it was just so bloody expensive to keep the thing flying. You know, if you scratched the paintwork, it would cost you 10 grand to repair. The fuel was just 
you know, it was so expensive to keep on putting into it. So amazingly, I thought the Type 7, I thought it would go up on a, on a scale. So as your ship got more expensive, it would be you know, more expensive to maintain. But actually, the Type 7, even though it's more expensive than the ASP, is a lot cheaper to run. Uh, it's a lot cheaper to repair. It's a lot cheaper to keep the you know, integrity and stuff of the ship going. Um, I don't know if that's just basically a, a box with a big set of thrusters on the back as opposed to the ASP, but um, it's definitely uh, more sort of economical to run. So I'm currently just doing a few uh, heavy-duty sort of uh, trades at the moment, uh, earning about, I don't know, it's about uh, 1,000 credits per tonne. And I've got a, an A-class Cobra currently sitting in the Founders world in case I fancy doing some bounties and stuff like that. So that's been keeping me reasonably busy. Right, what I think we should do is we'll go for a quick advert and we'll come back and we'll talk about the development news, which is Newsletter 58 and the updates. Have you been missold PPI? Python Protection Insurance was missold if you didn't want it, ask for it or need it. I was missold Python Protection Insurance and I got a claim worth 3,000 credits. At Cowell & McGrath, we are ready to pursue claims for pilots who were sold PPI, even though they didn't have an escape pod. When my partnership was destroyed, the insurance became invalid. I settled out of court for enough credits to restart my narcotics and weapons shipping business. Millions have been missold Python protection insurance they can never claim, simply because they don't have an escape pod. Why should you pay for not reading the small print? My husband was missold PPI. As a result of our claim, we now own Jupiter. Carolyn McGrath, turning your carelessness into profitable lawsuits. So, back to the newsletters. Now, the nice thing about doing this regular weekly show is the fact that we're actually going to reasonably stay on top of the newsletters. So, we're currently looking at through newsletter 58, which talks about the um, test server access and the, uh, the fact that you can now pay for the beta testing again. Now, this seems to be a little bit controversial. I don't know what you guys have picked up on this, but uh, Colin, what have you heard in terms about the fact that people can now pay a small fee, or actually we don't know what the fee is going to be, but we can pay a fee to become a beta tester and get the uh, the new updates a week early? Well, this was something that it came out in the newsletter, obviously, and it seemed to be that if anybody has, has bought in uh, at the, the standard level, not like uh, all those backers, all, all the, everybody who backed at beta level has got beta access going forward. But if you hadn't, you'd backed at gamma level or you'd, you'd uh, bought the game, you can then pay a small fee and you will then be treated the same way as the beta and have access to this test server. Now, there does seem to be a little bit of um, of an issue on some of the game sites that I've, I, I frequent on where they're, they're all a lot of... Uh, Detractors are there complaining about well, what's this? There, there um, is pay to to test for them, and um, I must admit, I think in this case I'm a little bit leaning towards that way, <laughs> unless of course Frontier are, are are doing something like they're throwing in the free eagle or or bringing that kind of beta package up to the same level as us people who backed in the first place, then you kind of wonder what the heck are they doing. Well, especially considering that it's only giving you access to all this new content a week before it drops in-game. So it's not as if you're going to be seeing anything that's going to give you a major advantage when in, you know, against it when it launches in a week's time or anything like that. Um, it does seem a bit odd this time around. Yeah, no, I, I think 
I mean, it's tricky for them, isn't it? They're still trying to strike a balance here, and and I think that's 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 obvious. And and I think that the in striking a balance, and with the fact that everything is live, as it were, they they don't really have any way at the moment to kind of test whether this is appropriate or not. And I think people were very tolerant prior to the game coming out because they're sitting there thinking, well, this is part of the Kickstarter. This is part of getting the game there. Whereas actually, if it's now going to be about um, creating privileges as things go forwards, I think, I think that's problematic, particularly with the fact that there is still an awful lot of stuff from the Kickstarter that isn't currently in-game. And um, you know, it might be... I mean, that, that word... That was that was mentioned at the at the launch. The the phrase that was mentioned, feature complete. I, yeah. I kind of I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know. Well, I, the feature complete is definitely something we're going to be talking about in the main discussion points. But yeah, I mean, what feature complete means in this case is is anybody's guess. Yeah. No. I mean, in this in this circumstance, I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm I'm very supportive of the fact that they're they're looking at wings. Wings sounds very exciting. Um, it'd be very interesting to see how it runs and everything else. But I, I guess they're almost they're trying to do something that other people aren't doing because this is their particular model of how they want to move forwards. And, and I think it's problematic. Um, they might have done better to go back to the DDF as they had it before. I, gu I guess there's, it's a difficulty of time. But they might have done better to go back to the DDF as they had it before and kind of ask the design decision forum, would people be happy to pay for this? Um, and then maybe float it a little bit that way, because that way you've got some individuals who can who can kind of talk about the rationalisation of how this this works. But then again, they've got to pay for it some way, you know, and they want to develop it, and you know, and that's you know that is something that's there. I I, I think it's difficult now to have the the conversation about paying for testing because we are it is just that you can call it exclusivity, but but what bonus is there? I think we're all sort of on the same page with this, that it's it's a very controversial move in terms of um, monetization, if you will. Um, I mean, I've been playing MMOs for many, many years at this point, and it's the first time that I've ever seen a developer in any sense uh, try and charge for beta testing just uh, after what is technically all, uh, an already launched product. You know, because it's not it's not a free to play game. You have to buy it to play it. Um, it you know, it's not subscription based, so you don't have to pay a monthly fee. Um, so that I think they're trying to figure out ways of bringing in more income, but I kind of feel like they're focusing on the wrong thing right now. So it's you know, and especially pay for for, for testing for a week's advance is such a small gap that I can't really see the value in it unless, like Colin said, they try and provide some additional value to that, you know, testing payment, if you will. Um, but I kind of feel like they're focusing on the wrong thing to try and get money from. Um, you know, if you put it into into realistic terms, uh, I feel like if they want people testing the content, they would have a larger uptake if it was an optional sort of opt-in deal uh, for free. And then they should really be focusing on selling things like the the paint jobs, the decals, the you know stuff like that. That's 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 how I feel about it anyway. 
Yeah, one thing that, that should be pointed out is that uh, if you pay for beta access, you're on a test server. You're, it doesn't affect your main game at all. Unless, of course, they put in uh, some sweetener, like sort of a Freegal, for instance. I mean, that seems to have caught on the Freegal, hasn't it? But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my, would you be happy to pay? I was going to say, would you be happy to pay for that? Would that if, if it was just the fact that you got a Freegal, uh, would that be enough for you to sort of stump up? But we don't know how much it's going to cost. But say they're going to charge you, what, £10, £15 for the sort of beta badge, and you got a, a Freegal out of that, would that be sufficient? Or do you think there should be more? Well, I think it's problematic all the way through in that, you know, this model of in-game reward for out-of-game uh, thing, uh, you know, once you, once you start down the cash for credits line, which essentially, or cash for objects line, that this is beyond cosmetics, you're actually, you're, you're starting to get into, you know, game advantage, aren't you? And that's that's problematic. Um, I think that's, that's, that's deeply problematic because I, I wouldn't do it. You know, I mean, I obviously from the Kickstarter and you know the support of the game, that is the reason why I would I would pay money to support the game originally. Um, now it, it starts to look like you know very very difficult in terms of the the rationalisation. I'd much prefer to see them, you know, maybe maybe ask a few players who are um, who are you know playing a lot and ask them to you know to make the test and so on. They, they need to think about their monetization plan and they need to plan it better because unfortunately this is gonna this is going to irritate people and I think I think that's a problem um, I totally agree I mean uh, normally when you go on when I go on massively or um, some of the other game sites I always find myself um, having to defend frontiers approach on on some of these things and the only defense that I can come up with this so far is well we haven't seen what the packages are yet and as far as the test server is concerned, um, you don't know what you'll, you'll have. You might be able to select ships and, and it'll be like Alpha 2 where you'll be able to just get involved in furballs and, and there won't be any knock-on consequences in the main game. Yeah, I mean, that would be, be interesting. But again, you've got the, the concept of whether or not that gives you an unfair advantage. If you can already sort of hone your skill in wings or if you can hone your skill in a python before you even fly a python... Yeah, does that give you an unfair advantage against the people that are having to grind in the main server? Yeah, and it, it kind of, I mean, it echoes a little bit about the um, the crash and the the massive credit problem uh, from the crash, where you know we had we had the the, the developers saying that they were just going to leave the, the individuals who had the the large credit windfalls, and of course there was an outcry of yeah, but you know it it, it almost it turns people into tourists, and that that. That is an issue, and, and tourist is the the sort of conceptual idea of people who play a video game and aren't affected by it and can't be affected by it. So, you know, once you once you achieve the ultimate amount of money and have all the ships and have all the best stuff, the game starts to become about tourism. You're literally just walking around and experiencing things because you want to, rather than because there's any kind of achievement or effort to it. Um, and I, I, I mean, obviously that's a bit of a nightmare scenario down the road, but you know, we are in situations where already we're, you know, we've got people with all sorts of different ships and uh, transacting on all sorts of different levels. Um, and that that means that, you know, if you if you offer in-game reward to people for uh, for doing more testing, then essentially you're just bumping them up to, to that maximum point. And, you know, there's only so far you can move the goalposts to, you know, we can have another bigger ship or, a, you know, a, 
uh, a more powerful laser gun, you know, or whatever, you know, it, it, it still, you know, it still sort of steps on the ladder, isn't it? But that's why I was sort of suggesting that if they were going to remunerate people, if you like, beyond having the, the one week prior access to, to content, that it would have to be purely cosmetic so that it didn't really impact other than the visual so that that way nobody could really be said to say, you know, it's an unfair advantage other than, you know, you test content, which, you know, plenty of games test content. World of Warcraft, for example, they run a test server constantly. People have access to stuff that probably isn't going to arrive on the main servers for the best part of a month or two. Uh, so they get to experience it and they get to min-max it as hard as they possibly can to Blizzard's advantage. And I really think that they should focus, if they're, if they're going to do this, they should focus on giving people special decals or whatever. But like you said before, Alan, that's also problematic because there's some stuff from the Kickstarter that hasn't been delivered as well yet. So adding yet more work on to, you know, what's already outstanding is just moving the problem elsewhere. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, I think you've hit it on the head, Deli. So I think uh, that's exactly the, you know, the the nub of the problem and and the beginnings of the solution. I mean, really, what we want to see is is the and I, and I think I think it will it will solve a problem for Frontier in that people can stop, um, they can stop shooting these particular bullets at them. Is if they if they can feature finish the Kickstarter pledges first. I think that would really help them. And I know Wings is exciting, and I, I, I love the idea of Wings, and I think that, you know, I think obviously Sandy's looking at Wings and, and wants to get Wings sorted out, and that's fine. And it does solve a lot of problems in relation to, you know, the group mechanics and everything else in terms of play, and that's that's fine and that's great. But I think going forward from there, they, they really need to be looking through the Kickstarter list and saying, right, okay, we're fulfilling this, we're fulfilling this, and just, just literally just go down that, because that's what, you know, others of us that have run Kickstarters. That's what we we're doing. Um, and I, you know, I mean, I, I freely recognise I've still got some to fulfil, but those are the you know, the the proper difficult ones that, um, that that need to be done. And so I, I, you know, obviously I try and keep my communication up and and let people know when they can when they can arrive. Okay, well, talking about arrivals, let's focus a little bit on when these new um, updates are actually coming. So. In the newsletter, they say that uh, the first one, the 1.1, is going to be due out the first week of February, and hopefully they're going to update uh, the rest of the server. So that's the first week of February for the beta backers, and then one week later for the rest of the universe. And what we know so far is that's going to focus very much on, uh, I think, the, the comms and repairing some of the broken missions. And in regard to the comms, doing a few comms enhancements, which will lead on and make it easier for when uh, when Wings arrives in 1.2, which is going to be, again, in early March, so a month later for Wings. Do we know exactly what they're going to be covering with this sort of comms update? I know, uh, first of all, apologies to all those people in-game that have been sending me messages as I've been flying around the galaxy. Uh, I haven't been ignoring you. I have been suffering really badly with the fact that comms at the moment, certainly text comms, don't seem to be working. So do we know exactly what this sort of comm update is going to, uh, going to include? In a short answer, uh, not really. I know that the um, the DDF had a conversation about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, basically 
discussing open channels and uh, the kind of thing that you see in normal big MMOs. And the scary thing is an open channel which would open the door for, you know, the reputation of gold farmers and all that kind of horror things that everybody thinks about when they think about um, uh, global channels. Uh, and apart from that, there was a whole discussion about you know shortcuts and replies and how the how the text messages could work a lot easier. Um, to which Sandy has, has has been very very gracious and said yes, these are the kind of ideas that we're after, and these aren't. Uh, so a whole lot of stuff about offline messages where you leave messages for your friends, and they can pick them up later. Those those have been left behind for the moment. But apart from that, until we get some more concrete details details i think that's all we've got to go on hmm okay well they've also said which is quite good news for those people that are trying to do those long rares runs that the the route management system the route planning the route plotting the the the, the in-game gps that currently does work up to 100 light years if you're prepared to go away and make a cup of tea that's going to be updated that's now going to go up to a uh, thousand light years which is great um, but a thousand light years, that should just about do it, even for the likes of our explorer friend, Mr. Simon Winard, don't you think? Well, to be honest, I don't use the, the mapping. Um, the reason I don't use the route mapping is because it tends to send you to every star system it possibly can on the route. <laughs> doesn't really take into account the frameshift drives uh, range. It seems to, to sort of go, okay, well, you need to stop here, you need to stop here. That's five light years away. I can, I can go 17. Why are you sending me five? You know, so uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, the mapping as things are, it's it's been useful a little bit to know that actually I can get there. Uh, but beyond that, um, I think it's tricky. Just to pick up on Colin's point about comms, actually, I had a lot to say in the original comms discussion because I was I was thinking conceptually about fitting with with narrative, and having hit the game as it were. This is going to be another one of Stroudy was wrong moments. Um, <laughs> Having hit the game, as it were, you know, it is a very, very lonely game if you don't have reliable comms, and um, and I think that I think they need to have an out of game uh, solution, you know, a solution that's not quite the same as what it would be like in game, as it were. I love the I love the radio effect on the um, uh, on the voice comms. I think that's brilliant, uh, but I haven't been able to use it very much because I don't tend to have my microphone plugged in uh, to to the the system in the loft. But um, yeah, I, I think there's got to be a, some sort of out of game, you know, solution in terms of in terms of this. Particularly, and I, I hate to say this because um, when we, if you remember from some of the initial design discussions, we uh, some of the things we talked about were, oh well, you won't have times when you're journeying to places when you could be doing something else. <laughs> you know, because it'll always. And David, David Braben said that he said, "Oh no, no, it'll be you know there'll be stuff to do all the time. The game will you know you won't be." And I'm afraid at the moment you go into Super Cruise, you maybe go up to you know to to sort of the blue level so that you're at optimal speed, or maybe you overspeed it, and you might sit and keep an eye on it, or you might have a an iPad next to you and be reading a book, <laughs> or you might be you know on Facebook on another screen. You know, it, it, at the moment, and I, I, don't get me wrong, I love Super Cruise. I would not change the system in that regard. But it would be nice to have other things going on. Yeah. And at the time, we talked about, you know, potential of mini games and other bits and pieces. It would be nice to have 
I don't know, it would be nice to have the news scrolling by or something, or news headlines updating on the screen in front of you whilst that was going on. Something to keep you thinking about in-game stuff. Yeah. You know, while you're while you're travelling to wherever you're travelling to. Well, um, we were saying we were saying the other day uh, of ways of trying to to fit the news in to the game um, more fluidly, and maybe maybe that's a solution. Yeah, yeah, news updates in Super Cruise would be, you know, would be good. Um, or, you know, if Foz is in, in the same system and um, we can fire up a game of tic-tac-toe uh, <laughs> whilst, we're, whilst we're trying to, you know, go to where we're going to. I mean, it might, that might cause a crash, you know. You might end up flying into the side of a sun. Because I was going to say, to... that is the most likely scenario is that you end up flying into a sun going, no! <laughs> Just one more move! Um, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, that's that's fine. I don't mind that. Oh, we've got laser fire. Who's who's firing lasers? I don't know, but I think they're trying to get our attention by the simple fact that we've been bombarded with messages. And I was going to pick up on it. Uh, what you des- yes, what we've described, what you described in terms of the route planning and stopping at every lamppost on the way. People would just like to check that you have, in fact, checked the uh, the the fastest route for the navigation as opposed to the most economical route option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did. I don't care. <laughs> maybe well, that's I, that then. Maybe I didn't. You know, maybe Stroudy, maybe Stroudy was wrong again. That's, that's fine. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm not using it to the best of its ability. I think that's, that's probably the probably the case all over in in most things. Completely forgotten about the fact that David Braywood said that Super Cruise was going to be so exciting that there wouldn't be time to play uh, tic tac toe or chess or anything like that. And we'll give a shout out to it later on. But zero punctuation has done a really good review of Elite Dangerous and. Yeah, I think it's it rings quite true to a lot of us that are playing that we'll either have a podcast on whilst we're playing or it's a really good opportunity to catch up on a TV show that you want to watch on the other screen. Yeah, at the moment, space trucking does give you plenty of free time uh, as you're traveling between systems or traveling between stations. Um, and even in that sort of instance, if it was possible to write some offline messages to friends or try and set things up between your groups and your wings and do something else that brings you back in game, I think that is yeah that would be a good idea. Um, right, okay, the other thing, the newsletter peak of the week. Uh, again, this is coming in update 1.1. They are changing the, the modeling of the gas giants. Uh, so things like Jupiter will get a brand new look in 1.1. And again, you can just see how they are, are basically improving the models, uh, adding more layers of detail on them and you know, adding to the immersion of the galaxy. Um, for all of the game is a very, very, very pretty game. How much do you guys spend, how much time do you guys spend traveling around the galaxy, staring up close and personal at uh, planets or suns or asteroids? I mean, has it just become you know, part of the background scenery now or do you actively you know, look at these things and go, wow, look at that? Well, uh, personally, in, I'm still looking at these things. Uh, it does look like every time you come out of hyperspace and you see a sun, it is still you still get that wow message. It, it hits you when you when you see some of these different styles that you come across. I don't think I've I've got bored of that yet. Uh, okay, just finishing off the uh, the newsletter. There has been a few updates to the the store for those people that haven't logged in. Uh, you can now get some very sexy uh, faction pin badges and key rings. They've updated those. Uh, and if you want some some bling for your ships, they've updated some some models. So we've got some new paint jobs for the Asp, 
which is well overdue. Uh, although, again, word of warning, if you are going to fly an ASP, it costs you at least £10,000 every time you scratch it on the way out of the dock. So just be aware of that. Uh, and they've got a shiny new... It's a, a sort of a matte chrome effect for the, the Cobra as well. Um, I can't believe that's that's what you're focusing on in terms of what's updated in the store. Have you not seen what else <laughs> is updated in the store? There's paint jobs and there's key rings. What else do you want? Is that oh, all you found in the store? Well, I mean, there. I don't know. If you if you go if you dig deep enough, there may be some new books uh, on the store, <laughs> which I forgot to mention. Alan, well, why don't you tell us what else deep, is on the yes. store? Oh, nobody reads. Don't be silly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know that's that's the point. I I I I just love the fact that you know that you. You completely blindsided that. That was that was great. I, you know, good recovery too. Though it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, there's there's obviously the official fiction has finally got there, which is is really really nice. We've been, you know, sort of uh, um, trying to get the stuff into the store um, for quite some time. It's taken a little bit of a while, I think, to to make sure that the agreements are all there between Frontier and uh, and the different publishers. But um, but that's all good, and um, it's nice to see the books up there. There is only a small selection at the moment. I think that's down to current stock, but um, you know, new new reprints are are expected uh, within the well, in a little while. <laughs> it's so it's so hard. It's so hard not to give a date because I don't know a specific date. I just have a general one. One. Um, and also not to say soon, because obviously <laughs> Michael Brooks is soon all the time. So in a little while. Not unless while. you can add a TM on the end of it. Well, it you know it just feels a bit you know a bit cliche you know. So um, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to avoid them. What you about know? the? Uh, I mean, you might not you might not have an answer for this at the moment. But what about the audiobooks? Are they going to appear in store in time soon? Uh, yeah, they are. Um, they are anticipated shortly that i think that's the next look look at that i found shortly shortly <laughs> um, i think that's the next thing that's going in the audiobooks and the ebooks i think are going in next but um yeah i mean we know that chris is aiming for drew's uh drew's book elite reclamation to be finished uh by the end of this month so so yeah that's great and what about i was going to do it in the community corner but as we're here anyway what about um what about the uh, the film version of Blade Revolution? Okay, I deleted that from the show notes because I didn't want to talk about it, but I will now. Um, I, I have You've no been ETA. Into it now. Absolutely, I have no ETA and I have no news for you. There you are. Okay. That was a bit so, anticlimactic. Absolutely. Well, that was that was why I deleted it from the show notes because <laughs> I, I had no ETA. Yeah, Foz had, so yeah. Crash, crashing on. Well, that's going to do it for the development news. What we're going to do is we are going to go straight into our main topic of discussion, which we've already touched on a little bit when we've been going through, uh, and that is, have we been sold a Christmas turkey? So obviously the game came out around about Christmas time. Uh, we were all thrilled. We all jumped straight into the universe, and we played, and we were yeah, absolutely mesmerized by how beautiful it was, all the ships we could fly, uh, all the missions that were there. And now, you know, it's been a month, we've all bedded in, we've all sort of well established within the universe and start thinking, that thing that they mentioned in the Kickstarter, I haven't seen that in the game and that thing that we talked about in the DDF, I haven't seen that in the game either. So the question is, have we been sold a Christmas turkey? Was this game ready for release? I and mean, was it a question of it had to be released at some point so they might as well send it out in whatever format they had? Or is it a question of 
waited until you know Q1 with a few more features in the game and then released the game. So let's uh, let's have a quick rundown of some of the things that uh, we were talked about and things that we talked about on this show that were going to be included in the game. Now, obviously, we're not saying that these things are never going to turn up in the game. I'm sure they will, and I'm sure they'll be there soon. But just at the moment, um, we are missing player wings and grouping. Uh, we're missing wingmen. We talked about those passenger missions and various different sort of passenger cabins. Let's have a look. Ship-to-ship uh, -ship trade. Uh, we're missing, talking about ships, we're missing quite a few ships. We've got about 15 of them that are missing. Uh, we know that the third lance is coming very, very soon, uh, but we're still missing 14 ships. Uh, we, we also know that the crate is not going to be one of those 14s. Uh, multiple commanders per account, that's still not there. Fuel scooping from gas giants. Permits to scoop cargo from pirate vessels. Placing bounties on other players, and on, and on, and on. So... Let's jump straight across to Colin. Do you feel like you've been sold a Christmas turkey, Colin? <laughs> uh, no, I don't, actually. Um, and I suppose this goes back to being a, an elite fanboy. What I really wanted out of this game so far was the fact that it was pretty close to Frontier with the original Elite Flight model and uh, the fact that I could shoot other people. Um, everything else to that, on top of that, has been window dressing. Now there's a, a little bit, there's a little bit of legalese in this because they're saying it's feature complete. It's not content complete, uh, and with an MMO or games of this type, it never will be completely content complete. Uh, but as far as getting the bare bones in and what I was after from the Kickstarter, it's in, and I'm I'm quite happy with it. Okay, so what would you say was um, you know, the, the minimum the game needed to have in order for it to tick the Colin Ford boxes? It's literally just an updated version of Frontier? Well, in, you needed, yeah, it needed the exploration. Um, it needed to have you know, the thrill of being able to go somewhere where technically you don't, nobody's been there. I'm, I'm trying to avoid the Star Trek cliche. I think I just <laughs> fell into it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I want... Because the thing about the procedural genera generation is that even Frontier don't know what's out there. And I mm. wanted to go out there first. Um, the main problem with Elite, of course, is that in order to get to the position where you can start doing that, is you've got a bit of a grind. And that's always been in it right from, right from 84. So um, I knew what to expect. I don't know whether or not people who are new to the game understand that. Okay. I was talking to my brother about the game and he has been following the podcast and um, he's followed all about the development side of things and he was asking about things like, you know, can you as an individual player have, a, you know, have an impact on, on the world around you? You know, you talked about on the podcast, you know, civil wars and being able to sort of really have an impact on which side came out the, you know, the winner, uh, civil wars, having famines and being able to increase food prices and things like that or are those things in the game? Uh, so, because those are the things that I thought were really exciting. Okay, so you haven't got this great big overall narrative um, running through the game, which you, you follow in a sort of linear fashion, but you were still able to sort of uh, dip into these things and, and have an impact in the world around you. Now, we know that the simulation is there, uh, but do you think, as it currently stands, that that sort of level of interaction with your surroundings is currently, yeah, is currently viable? I mean, is it currently there, Alan? Tricky one, isn't it? I think we wouldn't be thinking of this game, we wouldn't be spending time in this game if we didn't like it. You know, and if 
if I felt it was, you know, and I've seen comments on the forum about, oh, there's nothing to do, this, that, and the other. Mm. I think there is stuff to do. There's, there's plenty to do. There's plenty to, to get involved in. Um, I, I have a tendency of finding that, you know, I'll fly around, I'll pick up this mission, pick up that mission going, I can do that, I can do that. And then you struggle to finish the missions so you yeah. can go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, do, oh, oh, no, just 10 more minutes to get that one and then get to there and then get to, you know. <laughs> And it, it becomes another hour and so on. So so in those terms, I think that, you know, it's it's not a turkey, as it were. But from what you've said, I mean, there are an awful lot of things, you know, that we're expecting to happen that aren't there yet. And that's, that's difficult, particularly with the thing being released. Um, although I think it was right to release it because it's, it's pretty much stable. You yeah. know, and I think that's the main thing, is that, you know, okay, so there's an occasional server outage, but in the most part, and, and obviously there are individual players who have got particular problems and have said, mm. oh, you know, the launcher doesn't work for me, or it crashes for me, or I can't get this, and, you know, and I can't get that. That's fine. But for the most part, for the majority of players, it's stable, and it's stable, and it works. And the game has always been, as Colin has, has alluded to, the game has, has always been about a very simple set of mechanics um, and you crafting your own stories, you alluded to, Foz. Um, so, you know, I kind of think that's, that's, you know, we do have that and, you know, we just, I just think that, you know, the next step is to, is to run down those, those Kickstarter pledges and just go, right, we must fulfill that, we must fulfill that, we must fulfill that, because that's what, that's what was there in the first place and that's what people are waiting on. Um, so yeah, so so you know, um, my worry about the ships, and particularly about the Ferdlands, is we appear to have a spread of ships. So we've got you know some some big, some little, some medium, and the problem is if you see the ships as linear progression, the top end is the Python and the Anaconda. Well, once yeah. you've got there, why are you going back? And also, once you've got there, you've got a bulk ton of cash. So going back is going to be five minutes worth of fun instead of, oh, you know, I've got to go and get... Do you see what I mean? So yeah, it, absolutely. Your problem is actually you're not phasing in the type of flying and you're not phasing in the type of experience. What you're actually doing is you're filling in gaps in the middle and actually that's it's a little bit problematic. Um, so, yeah, so, so I think that's, that's you know, an issue as things, as things stand. Um, but, yeah, I'd have released it. I think it, I think it was the right <laughs> thing to do. Um, I think you know, giving a better idea of expectations to people is probably a good idea, um, and having somebody just just do that every week, um, not somebody who's incredibly busy managing everything else. You know, somebody just basically just going, look, this is where we are. This is what we want to do next. This is where we are. This is what they do try. You know, they do try that very hard, and and bless them. I I, I you know I think that's that's difficult for them, but um, you know. I think knowing where we are in terms of the pledges might be a good idea um, in some of the points. Lisa? Um, I guess, going back to the base question, have we been sold a Christmas turkey? I would say no, but, you know, I know Alan's saying it's stable, so he would have released it if it was down to him. Personally, for me, I probably would have given it Q1 if it were down to me in an ideal world where, you know, we don't really know what what was the driver behind it being released in December, if it were down to me, I'd have given it a bit more time. 
uh, let them get some more multiplayer functionality out, which I think is what a lot of people were expecting. And I realised that the original Elite was a solo affair, completely get it, no questions there. But I think with the direction that they've taken the the, the game and Elite in, it, it, I think it would have been um, a more well-received release generally if uh, things like Wings and slightly more robust comms have been available. Um, mostly because, you know, it's they've they've removed offline solo, so you're kind of in a kind of in a corner there and they've built it up to be this multiplayer open world, everybody in the same place. And I just feel like it could have done with that little bit of an extra to it and then there would be even fewer complaints than there are now and I'm not saying it's a bad game there is plenty to do there is more to do than you could possibly manage in some cases certainly with exploration and everything else and building up your rep and it felt like it could have been that much better and appealed to a broader market of people um, if it had just had those those few final bits and pieces in. Okay I mean you say there's lots to do but I would say that I've certainly touched on pretty much everything that's currently out there in game. I've done a bit of exploration, I've done some mining, I've done some mission running, I've done some trading, I've done some PvE, I've done some PvP. Um, there's nothing out there that I haven't done a bit of. Yeah, there's nothing so, out there at the moment that's question? new. Mm. How often do you play? Uh, I play probably, if I can, once every, every night, every couple of days, something like that. Okay, so if you think about it, if people haven't got that kind of time, they pro and also, you know, if they haven't been in Elite from the start, they may not be dedicating that level of time to the game. So, you know, it, I think it's, it's all a, a sliding scale of familiarity and experiences and free time, right? Yeah, but at the same time, if you just set about it to do, you know, experience what's in the game, it would take you, I would say, less than a week. Uh, of playing every night to uh, to be able to at least try your hand at you know what's on offer, and is that enough of a game to charge thirty nine ninety nine for? Yeah, but Foz, you're coming in from a fairly expensive ship, and you're able to you know, because you're a backer at a particular level, you're able to start from that expensive ship and then move up. Um, I've spoken to quite a lot of people who've started in the Sidewinder, and you know, uh, are starting by learning to dock and are starting by, uh, you know, sort of going out and learning that they can strip their ship down and uh, and make it great for cargo. But that's what I'm trying to say. So, it's all, it's yeah, all experience. It's all personal experience. So I had no experience of Elite up until, what was it, the middle of last year. And I know a lot more now than I knew then but it's been quite a slog for me, like learning curve wise, me understanding, OK, so what do these components do and what do all the letters mean? And what happens if I change that out? And why can't I jump to that system? And why can't I get into that system? What's a permit? How do I get a permit? It, all of these things that sort of diehard elite players knowledge that they take for granted, that other people then spend a lot of time trying to figure it out. And I think that I think the lifespan for the game for you is shorter than the lifespan of the game for people who have less experience with the, you know, with with the legacy of Elite 
and you know people who haven't who weren't alpha backers who weren't kickstarter backers who weren't beta backers yeah and who weren't following everything as it went through exactly um, so yeah no i completely agree what about in that case when you talk about having to spend all this time figuring this out and figuring that out is that just not another example of how the fact the game is not quite finished in terms of there's lots of stuff going on with the simulation no it's there's not. lots of stuff that you can do but in terms of this, the way it's being presented in game, it's really a sort of a suck it and see and try this and try that. They've given us a manual, but it's still very much trial and error as to finding your way out in this I'm universe. I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. It's it's fun. I don't mind crashing into the side <laughs> of the station in a free sidewinder and learning and going, oh, I maybe shouldn't have boosted into that. Oh, that's the boost button. Marvellous. Like, I'm okay with a learning curve, and I know some people aren't, and maybe they'll want to read the instruction manual beforehand, and that's fine too. But there are plenty of games that have massive learning curves, loads of detail, that you know it and it and it feels impenetrable and you do have to be a certain kind of gamer to get over the hump of that yeah no totally. i'm not denying it no totally i i I agree with that sorry foz i was i was kind of disagreeing with you half in part and then you you finished your statement in a fairly reasonable way um (laughs) the um the 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 thing i was going to cite as an example is um what we discussed earlier using the trade route button yeah. You no, know, I, I I completely hold my hand up and say, you know, I, I haven't I haven't thought that fastest route would make that much of a difference, and blatantly it does. It's nice to find things out. Um, when we first uh, discovered when we first discovered that the um, uh, that the space station has green lights on the side that you're supposed <laughs> to go in on, you know, and nobody tells you that, or well, you know, sometimes they tell you in certain things now, but at the time no one told you that, and so you, you'd go in and you'd find the NPCs were always right in front of you, um, because you were going in on the wrong side of the, the docking entrance. Um, that's the thing, if you don't sail ships, then you've got no hope. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the point, it, you know, I, I like all that sort of um, slow burner learning curve and everything else, I think that's all great, but I think, as Lisa said, other people are a long way further down the, um, you know, well, people are, people are in front of us and behind us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who are still mucking about with sidewinders and need some help. Um, and occasionally, I mean, today I answered some requests about, you know, no, the ancient artifacts that you found in mid-space are not rare goods. Don't travel a hundred odd light years to try and sell them <laughs> at some other random station because you're likely to get scanned and then you'll be fined. Um, so, you know, that, that that's a, a, a thing. And it's nice, actually, that having communities of players who are more experienced, it kind of creates privilege in those communities, which I think is really cool. I think that's it's a byproduct, but I think it's, it's, it's a fun byproduct because it encourages people to, you know, to bind around different people who are, who are already playing the game, which I think is great. Well, that's, um, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, uh, the way I see it is that there's different levels of experience and knowledge. There's the people who are struggling to dock. Then there's me in the middle that can just about manage most things all right-ish. And then there's people tazzing around with flight assist off and talking about trajectories in, you know, super cruise. And I don't understand. And it's completely over my head. But it's nice that there's that mix. 
and that there's I feel like there's that depth for everybody to 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 get your teeth into and I think you just have to sit there and go okay I've done all of this stuff is there more is there more to it can I learn more do I want to learn more yeah absolutely but I think there's a there's a fine balance between the nice things in the game, such as knowing that there's a, a fastest route or a more economical route or that the, the station lights are green on one side and red on the other. And there's a frustrating element to the game, such as not having any sort of indication of what modules will fit into your ship, such as you know what cargo rack can go into a size 6 or a size 5 slot or a size 4 slot. Yeah, and having to travel all the way across the universe looking for a cargo rack that doesn't exist for your ship because there's nowhere th that there's any information to give the pilot that will let them know that. Uh, again, it's just been pointed out to me by a guy, uh, Gayla Kraken in game, who says that um, you know, they could have also set up the naval progression missions properly um, for a game that uh, values immersion. He says they're pretty much crap. And I've heard that as well, that the, 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 the military side of things isn't quite there yet, which is causing some sort of uh, frustration for a lot of people. So, yes, there's an element of, you know, you should be able to sort of find your way and the game should be hard and it will appeal to that. But there should also be a, just a basic level sort of description or instructions for those people if you need to find the information you should be able to go and get it oh yeah no, i don't disagree with that at all i you know there, there should always be a baseline of information available to those who want it don't don't disagree with that at all um but it, yeah it's it's more often than not it's a have they thought things through all the way through probably not uh, when it comes to well what will people want to know what will people want to find out for themselves it's 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 the same problem that we have with you know the slightly wonky communication that we get it's, it doesn't feel like it's always thought all the way through when it's presented to people uh, which is you know I guess it's the same problem with, with stuff that's in the game. It's that this is really cool. Let's put it in there. It's there. Marvellous. And then people are like, hang on a minute. But this is like really, you know, it's it doesn't make sense. Or it hasn't been, like I say, it's just not been thought out entirely. Um, I think as well, something Lisa will probably appreciate here is that um, a great many of, uh, you know, the MMOs, look at progression as a level-based thing and what I like about Elite Dangerous and I think this shouldn't be confused with the you know the point about not everything being sort of matching up as it were is that it's still very very possible to take a tiny ship and go fight a big ship and kill it and this is kind of it's kind of back to the whole idea of there being a baseline and not that the you know that you're a level forty two warrior versus a level one warrior, and the level one warrior will never hurt you. You know there is still at least the illusion of a baseline. I mean, I'm not saying that you know the free sidewinder is going to take out <laughs> the the massive python, but there is still there's still an idea and a principle behind the fact that you can get hurt by something that is you know is is a long way beneath you, and I think that's important. Which is why, you know, I mean, obviously that's going to still take a tweak or two, which is, you know, there's a discussion at the moment about tweaking the Python slightly. But, um, but yeah, no, I think, I think it's important that um, your, your dirty mind <laughs> tweaking the Python blatantly. Um, but I think it is important that they keep that kind of, that idea that anyone can take a ship, get some money, go out there and, you know, um, match up against anybody else. You know, which I think is is 
he's great. Yeah, definitely. And I do think that um, in terms of your, your baseline for any elite game is that you should be able to start off in a small, cheap ship with a very little amount of money and go and make your fortune, which, let's be honest, even in its current state, that is something that Elite Dangerous does brilliantly well. For those people that want to get that level of um, experience like they had with the game in 84, Elite Dangerous is that game without a shadow of a doubt. But let's think about the stuff that... Uh, is missing from the game and think about just a couple of things that if we were sitting in Cambridge, if we're sitting in Frontier Development's office, what would we put front and centre as something that uh, would have the most sort of bang for your buck in terms of making this experience the Elite Dangerous that we want to play? Um, I will start off with a very, very boring one and say it's passenger missions. At the moment we've got this beautiful orca ship um, for taking passengers around the galaxy and no passengers and no passenger cabins to, to take them in. Um, one of the fun things that I used to do in Elite Dangerous, or in fact in Frontier, was you'd pick up these passengers and you'd create their own story in your head, taking them from A to B, and I'm missing that from Elite Dangerous. So for me, the sooner they get passenger missions into the game, uh, the better. Uh, Colin? Well, um, I think we've covered most of the things that I've, um, I'm after, really. Um, the main issue that I I am having is with the comms. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's, we've just been discussing it. The comms really needs to needs to be there if this is going to work. Um, admittedly, I'm a little bit disappointed with some of the missions, and I think it is a case of when it comes to these missions, sometimes you've got to go looking for trouble if you want to have a little bit more excitement, like checking the the USSs and. Sometimes that isn't that obvious. It would be nice if you occasionally got an interdiction and you had the same offer Yeah. of, uh, you know, by the way, we'll offer you a better deal if you can't follow us. And then even then you could have another little twist where they'll, they'll uh, stab you in the back or something like that. No, that's a good point. And also, if you think about the, again, banging the drum about passenger missions, you used to get in Frontier, you used to get pirates coming up to you and you'd have a little text message saying, you know, this will teach you for trying to escape or, you know, yada, yada, yada. It's just something nice and s simple like that in Elite Dangerous you know, when you get pulled out of a frame shift drive, I think would work really well in terms of immersion. Alan? Uh, for me, I mean, the first thing I'd like to see is all the ships. That would be good. Um, maybe the Thargoids, that might be the next bit. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the one thing that impacts my gaming experience in terms of my ability to to think of myself as being a pilot in space doing stuff is actually the unidentified signal sources. Because um, I don't like the contrivance. And I would rather that when you accepted the mission, it gave you some coordinates to go to and you went to those coordinates and you got the next stage of what you were going to find out. Um, and then perhaps did something like Colin said in terms of the interdiction and given the offer and so on and so forth. Because the problem with the unidentified signal sources, I don't mind them being there at all and, you know, and stuff happening. But the, the idea that I'm going to accept a mission to assassinate somebody and then I go into a system and go, okay, well, I'll just choose an unidentified signal source, you know, because he'll manifest in whichever one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't like that. I, I want it to be much more, um, not necessarily prescribed, you know, but I guess I guess you have to be in terms of when you lock into that kind of linear, you know, narrative. 
but I want it to be much more, much more real in terms of where he might be, you know, or where she might be. You know, I want I want it to be absolutely, you know, sort of, um, yeah. With the, our last our last sighting was at this point in this system. So you go there, and maybe there's a couple of ships there that yeah. say, oh yeah, you know, uh, he ran right through here and and blew up, you know, this this and this. Um, the we analysed the frameshift wake, and it took us to this system. You know, I want it to be like that, yeah, rather than unidentified signal source. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I won't pick that one because it's too near the sun. Oh, that one's too near the planet. I'll have that one in the middle. That looks like a nice space for a dogfight. You know, I don't want that. That I want. I want. You know, I want it to have much more of a, a, a sort of a a clear narrative in terms of how those things work. Okay, well, I mean, just focusing in on the fact that you said you want the rest of the ships. Now, you've already said uh, on this episode that the problem with having all those ships is that if you're just doing linear progression, once you've got them all, there's nowhere to go. What would you specifically like with those ships? Would you like those ships and, I don't know, maybe each ship has a much more defined role element involved with it? Well, some of them do have some quite clear ones, but you, you know, you're right in terms of the orca. You know, it's almost like a, it's like an orphan, isn't it, at the moment? Mm. Um, the I think the problem is is that you need all the ships in game as quickly as possible because the the problem that I've talked about this idea of you know going back and effectively oh I'll try that one out you know and and not really progressing through ships uh, is just going to get worse because the longer it's left the more people are going to be at the top end and and so you know why are you going to go back and I don't know maybe there's a Type Five freighter. Why are you going to go back to the Type 5 freighter, you know, if, if you've already got that at the top end? Unless, of course, all of those ships come in through sort of narrative means. So we're seeing a lot more federal access ships for specific missions or empire access ships for specific missions and so on. You know, obviously that might be much more interesting. It's, it's tricky because, of course, they, you know, they've got to think about the balance. I mean, the... The the way in which they've got the Eagle and the Viper working right now, I think is is excellent. You know, I'd, I'd never have thought the Eagle would be what it is in the fact that it is so, you know, it's it's slow, but it's incredibly maneuverable and a really, really good fighter. You know, and actually you've got a fair chance in an Eagle going up against a Viper, which is incredibly quick, but tough to turn. You know, so I I think the um I think the balance there is great. You know, I, I, it, it, obviously it takes a lot of time to be able to balance other ships in the same way. Um, don't know what the Ferdinand is going to bring to that equation. Be very interesting. Lisa, uh, I sort of have to agree with Alan. Really, more ships. I'm looking forward to the Ferdinand. I really want one. It's beautiful. Um, so you know, because I wanted I wanted um the the Imperial ship. I was like, I'm not sure if I can be bothered grinding imperial faction rep for that so the third alliance might give me a ship that i like looking at or that i can't look at that i think that i like the look of you know what i mean anyway it's so pretty i want it now yeah you could admire it in the outfitting bay there that's it that's i'm basically going to spend all of my time staring at it in the outfitting bay because i'm not sad or anything but that's 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 a really cool thing i mean i've seen that happening in in a lot of the groups over the last few weeks you know, people going, this is my ship, this is my ship, and showing you the picture of the outfitting bay of their ship in there. I think that's great. You know, I think that's, it's it really sort of, all of the ships so far that we have in game, they do encourage this kind of ownership. You do feel, I mean, 
you know, I, I picked up a, a crappy little sidewinder to go and get my Cobra. I could have, I could have taken the, you know, the credits hit and and sold it and and bought a new one, you know, up the uh, up in the other place and so on and so forth and you know work like that. But it was my Cobra, you know, and I think we're we're sort of seeing that a little bit, which I think is really really good. Uh, you know, we had that in the sidewinder in the first place when we were doing the Alpha. Um, the amount of people who commented on. Oh yeah, you know, elite's all about the Cobra for me, and then they did the Alpha and went. I really like my my my, my Sidewinder. Yeah, my Sidewinder's <laughs> really cool. I like my Sidewinder. I mostly just want to be able to take pictures of my ship in space, and I know it's not going to happen now or probably anytime soon, which makes me deeply, deeply sad. You know, I just want to, you know, I want an epic backdrop of some some binary stars and my ship cruising through space. No, it's just not going to happen. Well, Never you... mind. <laughs> Maybe you need a friend. Yes, I, I. Well, yes, maybe I do, Alan. Maybe I do. That's where I've been going wrong all this time. Yeah. No, Although at the same time, why not? Uh, why not think of the uh, the possibilities here? If we've got a separate test server, then why not give us that capability and do sort of video um, creation tools and stuff within the test server? Uh, for those people that want to, you know, have a look at the galaxy or try and create these great sort of pictures or videos within the game universe. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing I want is ever going to happen. That's I'm just going to put it out there. The the external camera drones and stuff will come, but um, yeah, I I can't see them letting because they, you know, in the past they've not been uh, forthcoming about um, any external camera views, any, any recording views and everything else. You know, I, I, I think it's, it's not necessarily, um, it's not just about being conservative. That's quite a lot of programming to, I would guess, to make that a, a very user-intuitive Oh, setup. I know. And that's why I'm saying it's not going to be any time soon. And I'm, I'm sad about it. Like, it's not, it's not a deal-breaker, but I'm a little bit sad about it. I, I was I was more countering the fact that Foz was you know was dreaming, uh, to be honest. Well, well what about this then? <laughs> I'm still going to bang this job. We're putting all this money into these paint jobs. At the moment, we can only see when we're adding and removing modules or putting weapons onto the ship. How about if you want to see your ship, you need to buy a docking computer, and then when you press the button on the docking computer, you automatically get sort of this exterior hands-off controls view of your ship coming into the docking area. Uh, and then at least you'd be able to see your ship and all of its glory in terms of the the paint job you've just spent ten pounds uh, in the in the store <laughs> buying. You know? uh, well, we know that it's not going to happen because that's yeah. one of the things that they said. It's, it's been in the the DDF. They've always said no that the the whole thing is you're you're in your cockpit. I mean, yeah. you, you, the, the main good thing about you you buying a skin a skin like that is basically you flying by at Lave Station going, hey, look at the skin on this. <laughs> Which came out really wrong. <laughs> yeah, <bet. laughs> yeah, it's like it's like you know necromancers getting pervy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Don't make it worse. <laughs> um, oh, no, dear. Foz, Foz, I, I honestly, you know, I hate the idea because anything that steps me out of my cockpit that isn't something I control getting out of my cockpit is, you know, is is not part of the experience of playing the game i love the idea of firing a camera drone and, yeah, and, you know, and turning around and uh, turning around and looking at the ship as the camera drone goes off into the distance and then explodes or whatever I, I i i love the idea of camera drones i think camera drones are awesome and 
I, I think I mentioned a little while ago, you know, the way in which they were used in the original carrier command um, was yeah. fantastic because you had, you had wire-guided missiles which were had a little camera on them which you could control with the joystick, which was awesome. You had drones that you fired up into the, the air to then guide your... Um, uh, your ballistic missiles, you could basically your cruise missiles. You fired those, and you could see your carrier from above. You had all sorts of little, tiny, clever ways in which they used in-game options to give you views of uh, of outside your ship, and that's what you want. You don't want some random, uh, oh well, I you know, docking computer suddenly make, gives me an out-of-body experience. You know, okay. yeah, it's, right, it's fine. You know. Let me sorry do it a different way then. When you come into a station, you automatically have that wonderful head-up display comes and gives you all the station bulletin boards. Why not, when you're coming into dock, you automatically tap into the station's live video feed of you docking. So on your screen, in a head-up display, you can actually see yourself approaching and docking within the station. Then at least you'll be able to actually see the skin that you've bought uh, that, on the store. That sounds fantastic. Um, let's do that. Um, Excellent. And I, <laughs> I'm happy you know, with that one. I'm subscribed to that. Um, you could basically, you could once you get in docking range, once you've hit the docking computer, you could basically have the option to go into the um, commodities market or into the, you know, the news feed, and that that sounds fine. And then, of course, some player crashes into you and blows your ship, <laughs> or your docking computer fails. And I'm fine with that too, because I would <laughs> never buy a docking computer unless it had something like that, which would be cool. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, we could talk about this all night, but how about we uh, we leave that part for this episode, and uh, I'm sure we'll come back to it in a in a few episodes' time. But right now, we'll go to a quick advert, and when we come back, it will be Community Corner. Is your life like this? It could be like this. Some excitement back in your life. Walk an adventure in the lathe business department. Now. Okay, and Community Corner. Community Corner this week, we're going to kick off because we've got uh, a special milestone. It's only six months to go until the third LaveCon event. Alan, what can you confirm that's going to be happening at LaveCon 2015? Uh, I can confirm a few things. Um, firstly, I don't think anybody else has noticed, but I noticed um, there is a new forum on the Frontier Forums, which is for community events, which um, you will notice that LaveCon got in there first. Um, and we are in there with our community events thread, so, uh, so that's all good. Um, the second thing is that, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole situation with this year's attendance and everything else is, is fantastic. The, uh, the hotel have been really, really accommodating. 
and um, will be really, really accommodating for everyone to book their rooms to. Um, so yeah, so you know, it, it's all looking very fine. Content that's confirmed. Well, we've started talking about doing free forms. Now, uh, myself and a friend of mine, a colleague uh, from work who Lisa knows very well, um, Colin Ford, are going to be running free forms at the event. Now, free forms are kind of like live role playing, but in small, contained environments and without necessarily requiring you to bring your own costume. Um, so we will be we will be doing those, and um, we've got a couple lined up that we're we're looking at, which are of particular themes. I'm I'm looking at writing and running one called, um, I think it's uh, the stars are falling or something something very similar is the working title, which is basically about um, intergalactic uh, civilizations trying to stop the the galaxy from ending. Um, because of their warfare and and so on and so forth, which will be a yeah you know, yeah it's it's like basically what you do is you know you 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 play a part in that so there'll be a list of roles you go into the uh, to the the room that's going to be used for it and you read down the character lists and you decide which one you're going to be and then you're given a brief and then you read your brief for a little bit and then it goes live and everyone tries to to play their parts and the person who achieves their objectives the best. Is is sort of decided on by the uh, by the games master as being the the person who who wins, and also the players who who have played make a decision on who was who was role playing the best character and so on and so forth. So so that's the kind of idea for freeforms, and we're going to run we're going to run a few of those uh, through the weekend. Um, we're also looking at other game content that you can just take part in, you know just as, as things go on. So there'll be one or two communal board games that will be you'll be able to just walk along and do something on the board game and then someone else can walk along and do something else and so on and so forth. So, you know, games that you can kind of just make a move on and, and just see how it plays out at the end of the weekend, which I think would be very, um, very interesting. Uh, and then we're looking at uh, inviting um, inviting other uh, organisations at the moment. So we're currently we're negotiating with a few popular brands and companies about bringing their stuff to us, which I will talk a little bit more about next time you ask me the question. <laughs> Great. Um, what about uh, numbers? I mean, last I heard, the the hotel was already sort of filling up quite nicely. Yep. Yep. Um, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can we we have a total in the hotel. I think there's a total of 110 rooms. Now that's for the stayover tickets. Um, now remember, some of those are doubles and some of those are singles. Uh, we filled, well, we filled more than a third of them. So I think we're somewhere between a third and 50% of those rooms are completely booked at this stage, which is great. You know, that's that's. You know, they, they, they usually, they expect for a wedding, you know, they expect a certain percentage to be full. And actually, we're, we're well over that. Um, and that was, and do bear in mind, I don't check the figures. Karen checks the figures. I last looked at the figures <laughs> probably about five weeks ago. So, you know, bear that in mind when, uh, when I give you those statistics. Um, you know, we're, we're probably a long way past that now. One thing I will say, if people do want to bring content, if there are, there are ideas, if there are things that they want to see at LaveCon, then just tell us, you know, info at laveradio.com goes straight to uh, the LaveCon team. 
so yeah just tell us what you want to see there um if there's you know there's new things you want to see brought along if there's old things you want to see come back um certainly we're talking to to pretty much everyone that that attended and brought stuff last time um you know and and with all the experiences that were there so you know if there's more things that you'd like us to try and arrange then then let us know or if there's something you specifically say i'm really good at this i want to i want to come down and i want to run this or i want to do this talk to us and we're happy to to see what we can do brilliant stuff okay well we've already talked a little bit about it on the show already um the audiobooks so far we've had um the tales from the frontiers being released and also mostly harmless has been released now you mentioned that uh, drew's book elite Reclamation. <laughs> it's been a long night. Lee Reclamation is uh, coming out before the end of the month. Have we heard how Chris is getting on with that? Yeah. <laughs> um, he was. He was on um, late last week. He was on chapter twelve. That's where he was. <laughs> well, Drew's been posting um, every now and again on his on his Facebook. Um, newsline that um, he's had a couple of sample chapters and he's been completely blown away by it so that that's looking like a, a, a double thumbs up from the author there. Yeah definitely and for those people that have actually listened to uh, Tales from the Frontier, uh, Toby Longworth who narrates quite a few of the stories in that one uh, is doing the full narration for Elite Reclamation and you know, he's just a, a, a such a talented uh, voice actor that uh, yeah, anything do, done by Toby Longworth is going to sound absolutely spectacular. So that's going to be released hopefully before the end of January. I think is the is what uh, Jarvis is aiming for. So keep your eyes skinned for that one. The other thing that's coming back. Sorry, yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say it is actually the end of January. I think he's he's aiming for is is quite literally the end of January. So <laughs> rather than before, let's not. You know, let's not build anybody up to the 28th or anything. He's looking at exactly the end of January. <laughs> okay. Um, the other thing we should probably announce is that uh, Retrolave is making a very happy return. And it's a slightly different format this time around. Um, we will be taking over a wonderful crash landing one week out of every four. And we will be doing a Retrolave special. Now, Colin, you're the one that mainly looks after Retrolave with uh, with Grant and me. Anything that you'd like to see on that show coming up? Well, we've had we've had a couple of requests. Um, Mr. Jarvis himself would, would like to do Star Raiders two, which I had. I must admit, I had to look that one up. I was there thinking. <laughs> I remember Star Raiders one, but that was 1981 on the old V, the, uh, the old Atari 2600, and I've just given away my age there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Star Raiders 2, that, that one took me by surprise. And, of course, GOG has just released X-Wing Alliance and X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter, two of the most seminal and initial multiplayer games that they were, uh, space games that have ever been released. So you can imagine that uh, we've had a, a couple of people say, that's been released, when are you doing it on RetroLife? <laughs> well, again, as with this is now going to be a... Uh, uh, a video uh, podcast as well as an audio con uh, podcast you'll actually be able to log in and see the team play the game live and of course jump in there and uh, grab the game from good old games or wherever it is that we're getting the game for that particular month and, uh, and play along with us so keep your ears open and we will announce when the first retro live is going to take place um, other things in the community news we have the buckyball which for any of those people that have uh, 
familiar with the the Cannonball series and things. It's Elite Dangerous's own wonderful take on the Cannonball run. So it's um, it's a series of point-to-point rally races around the Elite Dangerous galaxy. Uh, vessels of any type can make the run, provided they have the jump range, but it might not be class, speed, or range that ultimately determines the best time. As there is no price or class restrictions, the top slot will normally be taken by the pilot with the most credit, but the real challenge of the Buckyball run is seeing how fast you can do it in the ship that you've currently got. Uh, if you want more information on the Buckyball run, it's currently Buckyball 6, and if you go to Electric Z, so that's one word, electricz.net, there's lots more information on the Buckyball Run, which I have to say is new to me, uh, but I might just be giving that one a go in the next couple of weeks because here's me saying that I've done everything that the Elite Dangerous Galaxy has to offer and I only just found out about the Buckyball Run tonight. So there you go. Still mm-hmm. plenty to do after all. That's actually appearing in the, um, the Galnet News in, the, in game at the moment. Well, I mean, it's an interesting concept and there's a few things that are popping up that um, are being led by the community. There's a... Yeah, there's currently a standoff in the old world where a few people have uh, decided that they're going to take ownership of uh, of a system, and they're currently trying to, you know, interdict that and make sure nobody else can get through. Which, you know, all part of the past of the game. If you don't like it, you can jump into the solo side. But we're seeing a lot more of these sort of community-led events uh, coming through the game, which is fantastic, and that's the whole uh, joy of it being a massively multiplayer online game. <laughs> I was just going to say, say, I found the details about the uh, the shipyard. So it's um, the the address is edshipyard all one um, dot com, and it's by a uh, community member called Tailden. Uh, he is Tailden on the forums as well. So that's who we've got to thank for that wonderful tool. Great stuff. Uh, before we go into the shout-outs, we've got a couple of questions coming in from the listener base. Um, Alan, I believe you've got the first one coming in from Harvey. Yeah, Harvey asked about um, the the nature of the, the factions, uh, which was, was an interesting question uh, in terms of what he was asking. I think it was specifically to do with the way of gaining reputation. And, I, you know, I was kind of trying to to sort of unpack a little bit as to you know whether it was the factions within a system or the the major factions now obviously we did a a bit of a coverage of the factions in episode 38 which was you know was interesting um uh, and those are the major factions and i think at the moment the way in which the game set up some of the other stuff isn't really there at, at this stage i mean you guys have alluded to the fact that the Federation and the Empire missions appear to be a bit confused at the moment, which is, you know, is one thing. Um, but the the Alliance stuff is is a bit trickier because it's quite so disparate. So, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not convinced they've got an entire progression route for the Alliance as things stand. Um, so yeah, so you know, I mean, we'll obviously see um, where that um, where that comes in. Um, but in terms of uh, getting you know, getting getting reputation with factions. Um, I mean, all I've done is I've I've got local reputation. I don't know about you guys. How much have you managed to to grind up any of the um, the, the larger factions? Yeah, I haven't touched any of the uh, Federation or the um, any of the big three at the moment. I've just uh, stayed away from that. Well, I've been trying to grind uh, the Alliance ones uh, mm. just so that I can get to to Alioth. However, the the problem is is um, there's no major military for for the alliance, as you well know, mm. uh, which means that you've got to try and 
get friendly with a lot of Alliance-friendly people. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, not noticing, little... yeah I'm noticing that there's a few systems where there are alliances of smaller factions, and actually you spend your time working for an alliance of smaller factions in a system. And I guess that corresponds to the larger alliance, as it were. Um, tricky, though, because, I mean, obviously with, um, with the Federation and the Empire, you, because there are military fleets, you know that there is a tangible benefit, i.e. the dropship is there. You know, you gain access to the dropship or you gain access to the, um, uh, the Imperial ships, you know. So I guess with the Alliance, it's, it's a little trickier to see what the ultimate benefit's going to be. Um, and we'll have to, you know, any time will tell in that regard. I mean, I know, Foz, you, you had some initial stuff in the, the early stages. You, you sort of um, did some work for the Dark Wheel, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did, which was a big mistake, uh, obviously, because in the, the founders' <laughs> world, for those people that didn't follow this story, uh, for those uh, people who haven't got to the founders' world, there's two factions in the founders' world. There's the Pilot Federation uh, and there's the Dark Wheel. Uh, and the Pilot Federation are basically the people who own the single one station in the founders' system. So if you do all the, uh, the missions for the Dark Wheel, it basically puts you against the Pilots' Federation. If you're against the Pilots' Federation, you're basically against the one system, uh, the one space station in the system. And every time you fly up to that, they scan you and they say that you're an enemy because you're working with the Dark Wheel and they try and shoot you before you can dock. Um, which is great in terms of gameplay, but again, it goes back to the fact that this is not explained to the player at any point during yes. any of the tutorials or anything. You're just supposed to find this out, and it got to the stage where uh, it was basically it was just an untenable position. So I ended up scrapping that entire character and, and re-rolling dice and starting again. So the factions, it, it is a little bit fuzzy at the moment. Uh, I think it could definitely do with a little bit of, uh, of work, to say the least. Um, I've also, someone I know did a similar thing to you, but they were trying to accrue reputation in the Federation and then took a mission for, for I think, Federal Covert Ops or something like that. It, that had a, you know, it had a similar title, was kind of Federation-ish, and then they realized their main Federation reputation had gone down. Uh, well, well, why was that? Because you just worked for Covert Ops and the guys that, you know, who are paying the bills for you elsewhere don't know about covert ops so so yes yeah, so there was a bit of a confusion in relation to that i don't know i mean it could be that um, that that individual was um you know uh, confused it slightly but um it certainly it seemed that you know the, the the thing of working for two factions that you're not completely sure but they're allied with each other and so on and so forth it's problematic um to answer harvey's question yeah it is you know i mean earning system permits is hard some people get them from the Kickstarter, um, and subsequently since then, uh, I've not earned any new ones. I don't know if you guys have. I mean, Colin, you're saying you're still trying to get Ali Olf at the moment, so you and Harvey should probably team up. <laughs> Something like that. Yes. I mean, I've got lots of nice little green stations that are, that are quite happy to see me, but unfortunately they haven't given me any access to Ali Olf. I know that there is a mission that will give you the permit, because I think this is the difference, is that you're just given a mission to, uh, to go to Elioth, but you've got to be friendly with the faction in question. And, I, and every time I get friendly with that faction, it seems that mission never appears again. Uh, problematic, Ren. <laughs> um, 
Okay, I think that kind of covers Harvey's question um, as best as we can. Yeah, well, I mean, Bewilderbeast had exactly the same question. He said, you know, can we touch upon how we think the faction system is developing and being fixed, which I think was pretty much covered it there. Um, okay, Colin, you had another one, this one regarding Thargoids. Well, yeah, the one thing that, that I mean, stop me if, if this is comes under do not disclose, but um, I was... <laughs> if it was, does, this is now a live podcast. So if there's something that you know that you should not be disclosing, don't disclose no, it. No, this is this is in the public domain because it is from uh, from first encounters. I always wondered whether or not the final missions that you did were canon. Whether or not they're considered canon in Elite Dangerous. Or okay, for those something... people that haven't uh, haven't played those final missions, be a spoiler and tell us roughly what they entailed. Well, in I know that sort of the, there was supposed to be a branch where uh, what you do was um, <laughs> you were you would f uh, go looking for the Thargoid homeworld. Um, you had a, a whole load of missions that would have, um, about three or four missions, which you would recover a wreck or that had been uh, destroyed. I can't remember the name. Alan probably is, uh, has got more knowledge about this than I, uh, and. Once you've, you've recovered the wreck, you then go looking. Uh, you're given a, a, a brand spanking, super jumpy ship, and you discover the world of the, the Thargoids, and they put you on a mission to um, try and fix the problem that they've got, not trying to be too spoilerish. But if you manage to re resolve that mission in favor of the Thargoids, then um, you get the Thargoid battlecruiser. And I wondered whether or not we've got some commander out there somewhere in a Thargoid battlecruiser. Alan, your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting for the, you know, okay. I, it's, it's problematic to answer this, Colin. Um, gotcha. <laughs> Uh, we know the Thargoids are being brought in in uh, extra content. We know that there is, uh, you know, there are systems at the moment that you can't go into, and this does connect to our question about permits. Mm. There are systems essentially that the, you know, that the game is set up so that, um, so that that content can be delivered, uh, and so that can, you know, can come in and make a decent fist of of being, you know, in the game as it were, and you know, be introduced well and so on. Um, in terms of whether the end of Frontier First Encounter, and I know the missions, I know the missions because I had to read them in a lot <laughs> of detail. Um, as to whether those missions are canon now or not, will I, I? I probably know a little bit more than 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 you do, but it's not my place to talk about it. And okay. at the same time. You know, I wouldn't want to start talking about it and flannel off saying a load of stuff that has probably been changed since then. <laughs> because, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're, fundamentally, the people who are developing the game are, are obviously a frontier. And the people who were involved in doing a lot of the, the guide material and everything else, like myself, um, our job's done. You know, so, so essentially, the... I mean, it was lovely when um, when the game kicked off, and we suddenly we had the death of the emperor, or the you know the the lingering death of the emperor um, going on. 
um, you know, I, I, he could recover. We, we, we don't know. Um, but the, you know, when, <laughs> when I saw the, the sort of the power play between the senators, we had actually written some of the hints towards that going on, you know, 14, 15 months in, a, in the past. And it was lovely. It was lovely to see that Frontier had picked that up and gone, oh, yeah, we really like that. And now, you know, that's now part of the, the main narrative in, in terms of, you know, what they're, what they're doing. It's brilliant. And what they've done is far better than what we'd envisaged in the first place. You know, they've really taken it, run with it, and come up with some cracking stuff. But that doesn't mean that everything I wrote 14 months ago or everything <laughs> everybody else wrote 14 months ago and all the feedback and comments that we had 14 months ago are the same as what they are now. So, yeah, I, I can't really talk about the connection between those final missions. And, and as I say, I know them intimately. I can't talk about the connection between those final missions and the current game. It wouldn't be fair. That's fair enough. Consider it answered. <laughs> okay, well, let's quickly jump on to the uh, shout-outs. We've got a couple of this week. The first one is, for those people that haven't seen it, there's a very funny review out for Elite Dangerous done by uh, The Escapist and Zero Punctuation. If you put Elite Dangerous Zero Punctuation into Google, uh, you'll see a video. Uh, it's had quite a few people uh, spitting out their morning coffee as they laugh out loud at it, it's it's quite uh, it's quite a unique take on the uh, on the game, but one that probably rings true to quite a few people. Um, a quick shout out to the Abracadabble. I knew I was going to get that wrong. The Abracad the Abracadabble uh, thread. Uh, and this is a weekly Elite Dangerous forum competition where anyone can enter a hundred-word story, excluding the title, uh, set in the Elite Dangerous universe to a theme that is picked by the previous week's winner. Voting starts on Thursday with a live reading on twitch.tv on Friday evenings at 7pm. If you visit the thargoidandthirdlance.com forward slash drabble, or it is actually in the abracadrabble thread in the Elite Dangerous uh, fiction side of the forums. Um, and finally, we do have a new iTunes reviewer, but uh, I've completely forgotten to do my uh, research, and I can't remember who it was that gave us a new review on iTunes. Uh, please, if you are listening, if you are new to the show, uh, go to iTunes and drop us a review. It just helps us in terms of visibility for those people that are coming new to the show. Uh, and I promise I will read out your names. Uh, any new review gets a, a readout on the show uh, when I remember to write it down. Um, okay, well, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. Thank you to Alan, Lisa, and Colin. Thank you to those commanders that have joined us in-game. Uh, I've just had a quick look. Frank, uh, Commander Monica, Adam Bowler, and Private Deer is currently around. So thank you guys for joining us outside the station. I know there's been quite a few people popping past as we've been recording. If you'd like to uh, get in touch with us, you can uh, email info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash laveradio, at laveradio on Twitter, and if you'd like to join us on TeamSpeak, it is layradio.teamspeak3.com. And if you'd like to join the elite chat, uh, if you'd like to join the elite Skype chat channel, just add Fozza101 onto your Skype contact lists. Thanks for listening to the show. Until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
I'm going to see the galaxy. Two seconds, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs>